pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for the fact, God, that you love us so much. Lord, that there's nothing we can do to make you love us more or to make you love us less. God, I pray as we uh, read the scriptures today, God, I pray that you would, uh, would speak to each and every one of us, regardless of, of where we're at in our lives right now. God, what questions we might have, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move powerfully for the next few minutes, as it already has. Pray that you would continue to move through this place, whether we're here, whether we're at home. Lord, as we're all collectively together, we thank you for that. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, we have been, uh, over the last, um, boy, seven, eight weeks, looking at uh, different questions. We've been going through a series called Hot Topics, and we're going to wrap that up today as we've been talking about tough questions that, uh, that people are asking, that, that the world is asking. And while we can't hit them all, or we would, you know, this would be a series that would go like four years and there would be even more tough questions when it's all said and done after that. But there are questions that people inside and outside the church think and ask. And maybe we don't always say them out loud, but we need to. And there are some hard questions that don't have easy answers. And most of these questions that we've looked at don't really wrap up in a neat little bow. Um, Sometimes they do to a degree. But today's question is one that... as, as I see it, as the Bible sees it, does kind of wrap up that way. We've talked, about, um, we've talked about money. Last week I talked about the question, why does the church just want my money? And if you're curious about that one, go back and watch it. Um, so I'm not going to rehash it today. But we talked about hurting people. We talked about, um, we got very honest and real about church hurt. Uh, we've talked about the relationship between science and faith and how that the world likes to say that there's a division there, but they're really, if you really look at it, there's not. They actually come together in many ways, in many awesome ways. We looked at the problem of evil. If, if God is so good, why do bad things happen? We looked at that a few weeks ago. And then I started the whole series with the question of how can we trust the Bible? And that was intentional. Knowing where we were going to end today with this series, I think we have to start with the place of how do we know we can trust the Bible because that's where we find our truth. That's where we find the truth. And one of the overarching premises of this entire thing is this, is that connecting with people requires us to talk about tough questions. Connecting with people requires us to talk about tough questions. We can't dodge them. Granted, we should engage in them in the right way and we should be informed before we do But we need to be willing to weigh into tough questions with people. If we're going to truly connect to them relationally, but also connect them to Jesus more importantly. And sometimes questions can make us really uncomfortable and sometimes people take them personally. And this one may be a little bit of both that we look at today. This is a question that can get pretty heated and can get pretty controversial depending on who you're talking to and when. And the question is this, how can Christianity claim that there is only one way to God? How can Christianity claim that there is only one way to God? Said another way, um, is Jesus really the only way? We live in a very pluralistic society. And so how do we know? Because that's a pretty bold, arrogant statement, isn't it? 
So are you saying that Jesus is right and all the other religions are wrong? Is that what we're saying? Are we allowed to say that in 2022? Let me preface this by saying, um, by saying this, that God has an open doorway of relationship and, and fellowship with him. Um, and it is open to everyone and all of his creation. That's very clear. And so this exclusivity idea that you may or may not have a problem with, depending on where you're coming from, it may not be exclusive in the way in which you think it is. And so if maybe that's you, I would encourage you to just for the next 20 minutes or so, just truly hear the heart behind what we're looking at here. Uh, I use maps to get anywhere and everywhere on my phone. I'm probably going to ask Siri to help me get to my office from here because I'm just awful with directions. Um, I really am. Um, and if you've ever used, uh, you know, maps on your phone or a GPS, something like that, you plug in the destination, and a lot of times it'll give you maybe two or three different ways to get there. And you can plug in some things that are like, hey, I want to avoid tolls or whatever. And you decide which one you want to go with. And you look at that and, you know, it may not be the fastest route. You might be like, hey, I need to stop here and here or there on the way, so let's go this way. Many people look at religion in that way. The world in which we live looks at religion in that way with the premise of we all end up in the same place, right? Like we're all heading to the same spot, right? So how does it really matter how I get there? If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 14. And this passage, this, this part of Jesus talking here, as he starts the chapter, he really kind of lays out a pretty strong statement. It's a deity statement, number one. But it also really says and answers this question right off the bat. But we're going to break it down a little bit. And so John 14, 1 through 6, says this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I mean, this isn't exactly the most inclusive statement in the world, is it? Imagine if I went around and I told people, listen, my opinions are the way and the truth, and no one can be right unless they agree with me. You'd be like, Jay's a jerk. <laughs> Pastor Travis and I were talking to somebody at VBS uh, during the, the meal that, uh, that was graciously provided before for all the volunteers. Um, we were sitting there eating, and, and one, of the, one of the desserts was this little uh, apple pie. And I'm going to let this person's name remain anonymous to protect them. Um, they might be laughing right now in the front row. But the, um, they're, they're talking about this and, and we're like boy you got to try one of these and she says I no I don't like pie what 
So like, I don't like pie. I don't like apple pie or, you know, apple pie or any, you know, or, you know pumpkin pie, whatever, any, like no pies. And we're like, okay, listen, you're welcome here. And, and we love you. And I think Trav literally said this, you just need to know and, and be okay with the fact that you're wrong. <laughs> and you are still welcome here and we're praying for you. <laughs> but I'm sorry, have you ever had a strawberry pie from Gardner Pie? If you haven't, it'll change your life. And you can't tell me. Anyway, getting off track. We're gonna answer the question today. Does Christianity really think that it's the only true religion? Does Christianity really think it's the only true religion? And really, the question behind the question is this. If so, then isn't Christianity closed-minded and arrogant? And why would I want to have anything to do with it? Because there are a lot of people that that's their opinion. That's where they fall. And if that's you, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're watching. Honestly, you're welcome here. And you're welcome to listen to this. And I hope that you, and, and pray that you listen with an open mind to hear about what God's word has to say through that. And so I really want to address two different groups here. I want to talk to the Christians first and foremost. If you're a, a follower of Jesus, this is an important question for us, right? Because you've probably dealt with this before or a version of this question before. Because people are okay with being a Christian, but to imply that Jesus is the only way is really tough. And that other people might be wrong, like they, they have a tough time hearing that. That feels horrible to be able to say that to people maybe. And so we try to dodge the question and, and, and some of us hope that it really doesn't come up when we're having conversations. And some people can get really aggressive about it, especially online, right? People have a lot of guts behind their keyboard and their phone. And so how do we respond to this? And honestly, do we really believe that all other religions are completely wrong? Is that really what we're saying? And then I wanna to talk to the non-Christians. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're still asking questions. You're still figuring this out a little bit, and that's cool. Again, you're welcome here. Ask your questions. We'd, we'd love to talk to you and, and walk through that with you, regardless of where you fall, what you believe, or, or whatever. Honestly, I'm glad you're here. But this might be the biggest obstacle between you and really discovering Christianity and exploring Christianity any further. You might be fine with Jesus. You might be fine with some of what he said, but when it comes to this sort of thing, statements like this verse... Maybe you specifically go back to how some Christians have treated you in the past or how you've heard this kind of laid out at some, in some way, shape, or form. And, and that may have pushed you to a place of deciding, you know what, I don't think I want anything to do with this. And so we're going to really grapple with whether uh, Christianity is the only, quote, true religion. And I want to look at three different factors. Now, let me, let me just say this. There's no way I'm covering everything. There's no way. And there's no way I'm going to hit all, all the aspects of this. So I'm really breaking it down to, to what I'm going to consider some of the most important things to look at when we look at these things. And so we're going to look at this. How Christianity agrees with other faiths and religions. We're going to look at how it differs and where it disagrees. And this one might be a bit controversial, but I'm going to try to make the case for it there. And then number three, why would we want Christianity to be correct? 
So these are the three ways that we're going to get into this. And as I said, there's plenty more. So let's talk about how Christianity agrees with other faiths and religions. And here's one of the biggest ways, right off the bat, is that humanity is spiritually broken. I'm not going to get into every single world religion, so we're going to hit, I guess, the, the big ones, if you'll call it that. But we are not spiritually in tune, in sync, or connected uh, to the, the greater reality, depending on how these religions de define it. And most, if not all, the major religions agree with that. Right? Buddhism says this, that our ego, a focus on self and, and on our suffering, causes us to be selfish and, and breeds anxiety and, and anger and bitterness. And, and Buddhism says that most people do not live in a state of peace or tranquility because we become spiritually out of tune with the universe. Okay? Islam says that humans have disobeyed Allah and are not serving him. So you see some similarities there. Mormonism says that humans have disobeyed God and all other religions, including Christianity, have become corrupted by heresy. And then atheism, which yes, I'm going to consider atheism in this. Absolutely. The world is, they, they say this, that the world is harsh and uncompromising and for humans to really thrive, that, that we need to constantly evolve and adapt and improve. Okay. And Christianity says all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. And so these are some basic moral truths that we should all follow. There, there are some premises within all of those things that kind of agree with each other in a lot of ways, right? And it's important to note this. And hear, hear, hear what I'm saying here, and don't take this out of context. As Christians, we don't believe that Christianity is the only religious system that contains any truth. Right? There's a decent amount of overlap in how to live our lives. Let me give you an example. Buddhism and Christianity. Right? Some similar beliefs that have overarching similarities there. Focuses on, uh, you know, the focus on self and our needs and our wants and our desires. Um, and that those things create conflict. Those are some overarching things that are similar between the two. But not everything. Some of the premises and some of the morals and some of those things there are very similar. Some of Jesus' teachings that you may be familiar with and have heard in other various you know, ways, shape, or forms. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. None of those religions would disagree with this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of those other religions would agree with that teaching and that idea. If you hate someone, you've committed murder in your heart. All, all of the other major world religions would agree with these things, and these were teachings of Jesus. So, there are some similarities there, absolutely. And as you're talking to someone that may have a problem with this, that may have a problem with, with some statements like this, a great place to start, just a little, I guess, evangelism training for a second, a, a great place to start is to find a place of compromise and to find a place of, of similarity, common ground, where you can come together on, on some common ground. And these are some things like, hey, we, we, may, we may differ on, on religions, but we, we can agree on these things, right? We have these things in, in common. Okay, but that's great. So now, now let's move forward a little bit. What about how Christianity disagrees with other religions? And there are many ways. There are many ways, but, but I want to look at one that, I don't know if you'd call this the most important, but maybe it is. I, I think it very well may be. 
And that would be the idea of salvation. Where does salvation come from? From all of these other world religions as compared to Christianity. And here's, here's where the big disagreement comes in. Mormonism. Mormonism believes that in the true, that you must believe in the true doctrine of the Mormon church. You have to get married in a Mormon temple. You have to go on a Mormon mission. And if you do that, you go to the very best version of the afterlife that exists if you do all those things right. Buddhism says, rid yourself of ego and, and rejecting the self, um, emptying yourself of desire and moving more and more toward enlightenment. And eventually that will lead to nirvana, the afterlife place. Um, Islam has the five pillars of Islam, the, the creed, daily prayers, almsgiving, uh, fasting, and pilgrimage. And you find out if you did these well enough on the day of judgment. So you'll find out if you did these well enough, um, you know, when you die. Atheism says life is short. There's no higher power or greater power to help. And so your best bet is to improve yourself as much as you can because this is it. This is all you got is this. And so whatever way is good for you is fine, right? Let me give you a couple thoughts on this on this in terms of where it disagrees. First and foremost, each belief system contradicts the other. And if you didn't see that when I was listing them out, think, think about that as, I, as I'm going through with where they believe salvation comes from. They all contradict each other. One plus one is two or four or 53,000 if you want. But, but it can't, because here's the thing. They can't all be right at once. Think about that. And what they believe and where they land. Unless you believe that none of them are really right, they can't all be right at once. So the idea of whatever's good for you is good for you, like logically, like deductive reasoning, that doesn't make sense because they all contradict each other. So they can't all be right. And all of them say that we need to work to achieve our salvation. All of them say, we need to work to achieve our salvation. You got to be good enough. You got to do these things good enough. You have to do this good enough. You have to do that good enough. Christianity at its very core rejects that belief. You want to talk about the biggest dividing line between them. This might be it. Romans chapter seven, the apostle Paul is writing here. And I'm telling you what, if you don't find yourself in this passage and find yourself where maybe you've, you've felt this way, let's read this together. It says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Anybody ever feel like that? Yeah. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably, I do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. See, Christianity is gonna say this. The more you try to be good, 
the more you're going to realize how broken you are. The more you try to be good, the more you realize how far short you're going to fall. Because we are all sinners. We all mess this up. And I'm willing to bet that there is one thing about all of us here that is true. And that is this, that we are not as good as we want other people to think that we are. Be honest with yourself for a minute. We are not as good as we want other people to think that we are. And we all struggle with this on various levels and various ways. And I find personally that that passage in Romans 7, in fact, that entire chapter, if you really want to read it for a little bit of homework, man, I find myself in that so much and I can relate to that so much. Isaiah 64 in the Old Testament. Look at what this says. It says, you welcome those who gladly do good, who follow godly ways, but you've been very angry with us for we're not godly. We are constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall and our sins sweep us away like the wind. This whole chapter, it's a prayer of Israel to the Lord. And if you really look at what they're saying, the Bible is saying that we are incapable of fixing ourselves. We're incapable of fixing ourselves. That in our best attempts, we still find ourselves broken and flawed and falling short of perfection. Every single time. Every single time. So number three is why we would want Christianity to be true. Why would we want it to be true? Taking all those things into account, where it agrees, where it disagrees. Some of us here today, you still feel confident about your ability to control your life. You think you're still the master of your own fate. You're the captain of your soul. And then there are others who have come up against life and found that we found ourselves powerless. We found ourselves broken and in need of salvation, finding ourselves really to the place of understanding that we can't fix ourselves. Back to Romans 7, 24 through 25 says this. This is Paul talking, the apostle Paul. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. But there's good news. He said it a little bit in there. But he starts chapter 8 with this amazing statement where he says this, Now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Condemnation, that word means a very strong disapproval. A very strong disapproval. I know, um, boy, I can, I can punish my children in, in many different ways, but there's, there's nothing quite like disapproval or disappointment from dad. And the fact that sometimes we look at God like he's looking down at us as a disappointed parent 
really puts us in this state of not really understanding the grace of God. Because there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is none of that from God for those who are followers of him. Let me say it this way. Every other religion says this. God will accept you if you're good enough. If you're good enough. And the line, the bar for that is a moving target depending on which religion you're looking at. And we've heard this message so much in our lives. We've, we hear it and see it on social media. We hear it from other people. Our students hear it from their, quote, friends at school. They hear it from their teachers. Unfortunately, some of our students have heard it from their parents and our kids hear it from their parents. You're never gonna be good enough. Statements like that can damage big time. We hear it from the way we handle our finances. We gotta be good enough there. We, or, or we don't have enough. And so I'm not keeping up. There's all kinds of different ways that in your life individually, you feel this, that you're not good enough. And here's the good news. The good news about Jesus is that Christianity says this, we can never be good enough, but God will accept you anyway. You can never be good enough, but God will accept you anyway. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, listen, let's be loving, let's be gentle, but let's be courageous and knowing that the message of Jesus, that this message brings hope to a world that feels like they can never be good enough. And Jesus is like, I know you can't. And that's okay. I love you anyway. I love you anyway. This is the free gift. This is, this is, this is the good news, right? And through our radical love for others, our service to others, being kind, we can live out the good news of Jesus and show others the door that God has kicked open for anybody and everybody. And if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, you're still asking questions, can I just say this? No matter what anyone has told you, no matter what anyone has told you, I don't even want you to listen to me. Listen to what the Bible says. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says that he will meet you right where you are. You don't have to come this far or hit the bar in this way. Jesus is standing right there and all you have to do is turn and fall into his arms. He will meet you right where you are. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more or make him love you less. Christians believe, believers, we believe that there is only one way to God and that is Jesus Christ. One way to God. And we didn't make Christianity exclusive. Jesus did. Jesus made Christianity exclusive. So if, and I say this lovingly, if you have a problem with this statement, you don't have a problem with me or with this church. You have a problem with Jesus and the Bible because Jesus made it exclusive. But as you've seen, he made it, listen, here's the thing. Here's what's cool about it. He made it exclusively inclusive because it doesn't mean that you have to fit this certain mold. All are invited. Anyone and everyone, regardless of where you're coming from, regard, I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care what you think you've done in the past. 
There is nothing that you have done that is making Jesus go, mm, probably not you. We do that to people. Praise God, I'm not God. And I don't want his job. Jesus made it exclusively inclusive for everyone. None of us are good enough. None of us can fix ourselves. And because of Jesus and only Jesus, you are worthy, you are good enough. And you can be restored and redeemed. In Colossians 1, it talks about how we, we can stand before God as holy and blameless without a single fault because of the blood of Jesus. Colossians 1, I believe. Look it up. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. You are holy and blameless as you stand before God without a single fault. I don't know about you. I have trouble looking in the mirror and thinking that. But Jesus says, because of me, Father, you can look on my child that way. And that is the best news ever, right? See, the real reason for Jesus being the only way to God is that he is God. <laughs> he is God. That's why he's the only way to God. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a prophet. He's not just some good dude. And he's definitely not Jim Caviezel. He is God. <laughs> He is God. And so the connection point for the day are the words of Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And this is, this is the answer to all of the questions. All of the questions. All of the hot topics. You know where they all land? At the feet of Jesus Christ. They all land at the feet of Jesus Christ because there is where we find truth. There is where we find answers. There is where we find that we're not good enough and we don't have to be because he is perfect. And those of us who know Jesus, we can be thrilled about this, not in an arrogant way or a prideful way, but, but in the good news that God's love is for everyone kind of way. God wants all of his creation to be with him. He created all of us to be with him. And all of us can be restored through Jesus. And so let's follow his example. Let's follow his example. Let's, let's follow the example of the disciples and the apostles. Let's flood our community with kindness and with love and with healing and compassion and service. Mission Akron's coming up in a couple of weeks. Next Sunday, actually. And I'm praying that that's exactly what happens through that week. It happened the week of VBS. And it was an incredible thing. And we can invite anyone and everyone that we meet to join us and to be a part of the family of God and serving others and loving others through Jesus. And if you're just checking out this Christianity thing for the first time, I hope that maybe this gives you some insight and some answers and a real perspective into what the Bible really has to say about the exclusive inclusivity of Jesus. Because regardless of where you woke up this morning or where you came from or what you did last night or even what you're thinking right now, he loves you and you are welcome here physically. I can say that as the pastor, you are welcome here 
but you are welcome in the arms of Jesus. And if you want to know more about that, I'd love to talk to you about that. I'd love to pray with you and show you more in God's word about how you can know that for sure. If you're watching online, you can comment in the chat. Somebody would love to to chat with you and, and pray with you. If you've even got a spot on our website, connectchurch.xyz slash next, where you can find out more about knowing for sure that you're going to be with Jesus in heaven one day because he is the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father through him. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I love you. And I thank you so much for the truth of your word. I thank you, Lord, that you, you paid the price for each and every one of us. God, you created us to be with you. You want us to be with you in relationship with you. Lord, we think we can do it our own way. We've all been there, done that. Some of us are in the midst of that right now, trying to do it our own way. Maybe taking one step toward you and two steps back, but Jesus, you're, you're still gonna remain standing there. Lord, our sin keeps us separated from you. And so, God, knowing that there's nothing we can do to, to make ourselves clean enough or perfect again, Lord, we've all sinned. And you paid the price for each and every one of us. And we thank you for the truth of that. Lord, you paid the price for each and every one of us. And, and God, that's for anyone and everyone. Everyone means everyone. And we can have eternal life that, that starts right now and lasts forever. And so, Lord, if there is one that is here, that's watching online, that doesn't know you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that they could know for sure that they are saved and that they have a relationship with you. Lord, they don't have to have all the questions figured out. We don't have them all figured out. God, we're still growing and learning about you each and every day. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in a powerful way through all of us. God, that for those that, that maybe need to make a decision, I pray that they would. And for those of us that maybe have relationships with people or divine appointments that are gonna happen this week, Lord, we pray for those that you'd give us the right words and the right way to just be Jesus to people. Help us to be the church as we go out, Lord. We're essential workers in this world. Help us to be the church as we go out and speak your truth and share your love. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.